G'day mate, I'm in an Australian kind of mine. I, uh, this is Chucked, and this is, I believe, episode four of season two of Chucked. I'm Austin Charles, he is, he is Austin Charles, I'm Charles Braxton. And I'm in an Australian kind of mine because... Roger Federer yeah. won the Australian Open on Sunday. I'm sure a lot of you watched it. I'm sure a lot yeah. of you were up at 3.30 <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, exactly. Watching it. We didn't get up at 3.30, but we got yeah. up pretty early to watch it. That was special. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I, he's just so classy. and and um, You know he's doing things when Trey Wingo and Mike Golick talk about him wow. on their like 8 o'clock hour. You know yeah. he's, he's doing something amazing if yeah. that's happening. Tennis and, in America and has died, and that's yeah. amazing for that to happen. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, still, still happy about that. Uh, he's just such a class act, so amazingly skilled. And uh, Oz and I, put I are a, into tennis, so that's I why I put out a poll on Twitter. Um, it be interesting for you guys to think about was uh, what's the greatest professional athlete, um, professional male athlete that uh, when you take into account career achievement and personal character. And I think I, I put on there Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, LeBron James, and uh, Roger Federer. So it's good. I would go Fed, Brady, LeBron, Michael. You think you think Brady's a better person than LeBron? Yes, I do. It's hmm. interesting. I do. I, I I like LeBron a lot, and I I feel for someone who's been called the king since he was in diapers, mm-hmm. and anything he does that's self preoccupied, I give him a pass. But yeah, I think Tom Brady's a really classy dude. Hmm. I do, in spite of the fact that he really went wow wow about his child being called yeah. a pee ant, you know, mm-hmm. but. I thought he went a little huh, on that. When you're the one that put your kid out there with yeah. the documentary, okay, you'd rather him air on that side though with his children than the, than the other would. side. I would, yeah. I would, I would. And if it were my daughter, I would probably be torqued, but I wouldn't want mm-hmm. somebody to lose their job over it. Not when I put my family mm-hmm. in front of a camera. Okay, yeah. that's once you do that, I'm. It's unfortunate. All bets are off. All mm-hmm. bets are off. So. Uh, but today we're going to talk about a really, really serious issue that we cannot ignore that we've been talking about amongst ourselves. Um, and that is Larry Nasser, United States Gymnastics and Michigan State University in particular. Uh, what on many levels, I'm so interested in this story. I, I'm, I get sick talking about it in one sense. I get nauseous, but... Um, you know, Michigan State, it's, you know, another another school in the Big Ten, uh, Penn State having their scandal. So take us away. Where are you, where are you going with this today? Um, I, for, I, th- I think it's, it's best to say if you are, you know, in your car listening with children, we are talking about a pretty R-rated topic concerning Michigan State. So unless you want to explain certain things to your kids today, um, you know, pause the episode, listen on another time. Um, I think we could call this, this, this episode, uh, part two of, um, the first episode of the season, the Oprah for president, uh, Is episode. Is this showman going to, with a little There's no showman here okay. today. No. Um. Well, Duck got some Australian <laughs> blokes No, here. there's, there's not, oh, that uh. That's like a mix of. There's not, uh, I don't, I don't think there's much humor to be found in this one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think the subtopics from this Michigan state thing, 
um, tie in to, as a kind of part two discussion of that, uh, what we talked about in our first episode, if you listen to that, um, a continuation of what happens when you live, when we are living in this godless nation, when there really is no, as you said, transcendent standard for what's right and what's wrong, but it's just everyone looking out for their own, protecting their own and doing so. It uh, made me think of Romans 1, 28, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind, so they do what ought not to be done. Uh, like usual, I prepared something to say about today's topic, but today I, uh, I th- it'll be a little bit more short and sour and maybe even incoherent. It is very much of emotionally charged, ran a little bit. Unlike usual, I refrain from humor today, like I said, because I don't find sexual assault or rape very funny. Uh, For me, thanks to God's grace and forgiveness for my life, I have forgiven quite a lot so far and continue to pursue forgiveness where I see fit or where I'm capable to do so honestly. As my sponsor tells me often, I'm only as far along as what's true in my heart. When it comes to sexual assault of any form or violence towards women, I don't have any degree of feelings that resemble forgiveness at this time in my life. I'm simply not there yet in my heart, right or wrong. I'm not there yet. And honestly, I don't, I don't see myself getting there anytime soon, especially with growing reports like the repulsive, unjust institution of Michigan State University and its gargantuan pride so large it casts a shadow over the lowest rungs of human depravity like gang rape of a young woman. Shame on you, Michigan States of the world. And I'm not talking about the perpetrators. Because the feelings or opinions of such debauched and demented little boys of society or their behavior is so obvious, it's a waste of time to even try. I don't want to waste my words on little boys who are too scared to buy a girl a nice dinner and show her respect, if, even if she may not have any for herself. And the rest of their manhood, which was only half to begin with, will be stripped away either by a judge in court, public smearing in an article, or in a dark corner of a correctional facility that guards intentionally stay away from. I choose to let their shame reek for themselves. My problem is with Michigan State administrators and coaches of the world because they had an opportunity. They had an obligation of justice to defend those who needed defense, to stand up for women, and they chose their career their pride, their school Spartan colors, their reputation, and it's as simple as that. Lawyers may say one thing, but humanity, being a human being, says another. As ESPN reporters Paula Levine and Nicole Noren wrote this week, school administrators deleted so much information from incident reports that they were nearly unreadable. Say what you will about attorney tricks, but you don't do that with false reports. Take the time and read the Outside the Lines report. I think it does us all a little good to feel sick to our stomachs for such injustice. I don't know if the damned are damned to begin with, but I think there is a specific damnation for those who are faced with the choice to expose the truth and seek justice, but choose to go the other way, for whatever reason. If you're not progressive with the truth and justice, You are tolerating injustice and secrets. You are picking a side. You are an advocate for evil. In preparation for pregame weekend, this weekend that Chuck Live will be um, hosting and teaching, I've been reading through the Gospel of Luke 
and uh, a few passages came to mind. I think the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10 is appropriate, but maybe not be specific enough for the point I want to make. So I thought of the parable of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16, 19, 31. Go read it. Think about it. It's pretty clear. And if it's not, well, here's a summary. A man has the opportunity to do, to do good. He doesn't do it and he goes to hell. I believe it's intentional that this man, this rich man, has no name in the parable. The scriptures imply that hell is a place where you are stripped of your identity. Lazarus or Moses and Abraham don't even recognize this man when he asks for help. Just like the girl who were stripped, girls who were stripped away of their identity along with their clothes just to be an animalistic object of someone stronger than they were. For the first time, I'm going to get maybe preachy and say things I probably shouldn't, but I don't care. If you've done wrong, if you have a secret, if you've prevented justice or have been a perpetrator of inhumane sexual behavior, confess and repent now. Because Matthew, I I take this seriously, says the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. And I can assure you eternity is an awful long time. And the God I believe in doesn't have any tolerance for injustice or the preventing of justice. Proverbs 17, 15, he who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the righteous, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Proverbs 18, 5, it is not right to acquit the guilty or deny justice to the innocent. Isaiah 1, 17, learn to do good, seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the orphans, fight for the rights of the widows. Proverbs 13, Proverbs 31, 8 through 9, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all those who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. Yes, God forgives, but not before he has judged first. To summarize, maybe more specifically, his forgiveness is there for when we do wrong, but his judgment is there for the right we don't do. Concerning Michigan State administrators and coaches, not so much as I said the perpetrators, but those who had the chance to do, to seek justice at the expense of their careers, of their reputation, whatever, that chose not to. I don't care how hard it was or the, the ramifications. Let's talk about the preventing of justice, keeping honesty and truth prevailing. What are your initial thoughts and the administrators and the coaches of this situation? Jesus was hardest on people who had authority and abused it. In his day, it was the religious. Um, and... It's a sobering story on so many levels, but one is anyone who has delegated authority, your first responsibility is to protect people who cannot protect themselves, the innocent, usually. And it looks like Michigan State failed. Now, the interesting thing to me about it is, is, is the discussion is over were Michigan State's protocols for sending the question up the authority line were they followed? They may very may well have been followed, but as a leader, you're not judged on protocol. You're judged on what was moral. There is a higher standard, and it looks like um, 
again, a culture that was successful is more likely to cover, whether through omission or commission, evil actions. And um, I keep, as you were talking, I thought about the quote that JFK used to keep in his pocket from Abraham Lincoln. I know, I know there is a God and that he hates injustice, that there is a storm coming, that he is in the storm, and if he has a place for me, I'm ready to fill it. And increasingly, to me, what this does is, it, there's, it's so alarming on so many levels. You know, because as a leader, on one sense, I'm also responsible for every child that walks through these doors on a weekend. Um, as a leader, I have been and will be faced by times and whether we speak publicly about an issue that pe affects everyone. And uh, I've been cursed for doing that. I've been thanked for doing that. So there's so many levels that I identify with this story, that I want to revisit the story for the purpose of analysis. What are we doing? Da-da-da-da, you know. And so I, I, I also am very aware that the monster you seek to destroy is the monster you're most likely to become. So when you see people getting on their high horse of morality against you know, this evil and that evil, it's good, but be careful that you don't become the monster that you're trying to slay. And that often happens. We become the evil we hate. We've seen it lived out publicly in the lives of preachers who railed against the homosexual lifestyle. And unfortunately, they were found to have been practicing that very lifestyle they were condemning. And um, So it's just, yeah. So many levels this draws me in emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, righteousness is, is justice. That's, you know, the core term of righteousness that is the core of, the, of God's work in the world. Is it means to bring justice to everyone. Mm -hmm. So it looks like somebody failed there. And what we try to do a lot of times is um, take something like this, a deep or, or not so deep talk, topic, and um, bring something practical out of it that someone can use in their everyday. So continuing into justice, what is right, and the truth prevailing, what is what is something that listeners out there that okay, aren't, aren't doing these, you know, hopefully not have these godless acts or cover-ups or, you know, huge things, but more in their just their day-to-day -day growing relationship with the people around them with God. What can there be learned, taken away from this? What does, what does this teach me about justice, about truth? Well, one thing God? is, about, you know, truth is reality, and, and reality will eventually win. So... In my life, I can't sow my wild oats and pray for a crop failure. Eventually, you reap what you sow. You know, in Genesis, your sin will find you out. It will. It, eventually, the truth emerge, emerges. That's one. Um, 
And, you know, when we see someone like a Larry Nasser, for example, do his abominable actions, that didn't start on the examination table. That started, I'm sure, when he was a kid, whatever happened to him, whatever magazines he started looking at. You know, no no man, Thomas Carlyle said, no man suddenly becomes base. Mm-hmm. It's never a fall. We see the fall, but it was a slide into the fall. And so living, to me, one of the practical applications is living above reproach. Character is what a person is in the dark. Character is what a person is when no one's watching. Um, you know, that's certainly a lesson on that end of it. If you're in leadership, a big takeaway from this is you're always asking yourself, am I defending those who have no voice? Am I defending the weak? And... Um, even as I say this, I, I, it puts the fear of God in me because the more successful you are, the more powerful you are and become in life, the more likely you are to, to be blind to how you're stewarding that position and that authority. And, you know, I, 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 I even this week, I watched the message that I gave last weekend, and, and I do that every week, and it's painful, and it's necessary because, to me, it humbles me. That It's not as effective as I think it is. In the moment, I, I think this, but I don't say that out of self-deprecation. I say that out of, I walk away from that, okay, be humbled by that, because it, I am. And, and I think that's true of life. This kind of thing ought to humble us, and, and that I got blind spots. I've got, I, I do have blind spots. Mm-hmm. And I need people around me to... And I do have people around me that speak truth. And I mean, I mentioned last weekend, you know, I have a really good friend who's a mutual friend of yours and mine. And he he was telling about last week at our group, uh, he said, wow, he said, you know, I, when I first heard Charlie speak, I was like, gosh, God speaks through him. And then I got to know him. This is 17, 18 years ago. I got to know him. Like I played golf with him on the golf course and I realized how broken he really is and and it's like, God can use me too, you know? Mm-hmm. But he he was joking about that, but he was speaking truth. There's nothing that he wouldn't tell me. There's nothing he wouldn't tell me if he saw it in me, and he has. Mm-hmm. He's called it out. And uh, there aren't very many people in life that will have that will do that. I wonder if anyone was doing that for President Simon for Coach Izzo, for Coach D'Antonio, for mm-hmm. for for the for Hollis, the athletic director. I mean, I, I we just all have blind spots. That's a takeaway. You gotta have people that help your life to be lived circumspectly, three hundred and sixty degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. You know, I meet so much with student athletes and. And now we're in an era, too, where you just have to live so carefully. Like, I, I don't meet in anything but an open public space. Things like that. That's the other takeaway. Is mm-hmm. you, you, the, you, you, can, you can also have your reputation ruined because you weren't smart. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't smart. So, I don't know. That's three takeaways I get from this. What mm-hmm. about you? Uh, I mean, you know, concerning Izzo and Antonio, they... Uh I, I've heard things or had conversations where it's they're they're hired to win basketball games and win football games. They're not hired to be 
their counselors, which I think is just uh, a lot of BS. You know, you because you're a human, you were a human being before you were, as I said in there, before you were a coach. And as a human being, um, you have a, I believe you have a, a, an obligation to um, to look out for other human beings. However, in this uh, this godless, you know, culture, as we're you know tying it into that first episode, is Romans one twenty eight. You know, this this culture where it is not seen worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, and we're given over to. I mean, if Adrian Payne is stronger than this girl. Then it's that's and that's right. If if um, D'Antonio's got a lot of good recruits coming in, and he doesn't want to ruin that, and you know, um, if there's a reputation of uh, of a nice institution, a nice university, then uh, muddy those reports um, because uh, you have the power to. So taking it back to a takeaway, I have something I thought I, I think about um, coming from something you said is. I, and I, I'm pretty sure, as you said, who all this, you know, this just this blow up of, um, you know, sexual um, assault accusations and, um, you know, in, in our bar, bar stool sports culture and um, in our women, please claim your sexual liberty and, and do whatever you want. Um, you know, I, I, I see these, you, you read these reports and, um, aside from the, the, as I said, the sickness that I got from reading them and just, you know, being um, angry about it, I, I tried to be objective and pull myself out. And what I saw in those reports were uh, boys living out how they were raised. Okay, so um, a lot of boys from the inner city culture, they're not abused by their dad, they're abused by their mom. So when they have conflict with a woman, they will do what has been shown to them by a woman, right? Or where their resentments lie with a woman. Um, no one taught them ab- about sexual behavior and how the right way, and this is not to, to justify or excuse them, the right way to go about the opposite sex. And I saw a lot of a lot of girls in these situations put in, that put that consensually put themselves in a situation to where they something happened where they, they did not give consent to. But it also, but so many of those reports start with, I was I was drunk. I was. I was hanging out with four guys and I was the only girl there and we were playing a game where we were, you know, if we missed a basket, we took off our clothes. I mean, all these things, how does this happen? Where does this come from? This comes from this godless, it's not worthwhile to have a standard that we live by right or wrong, what we should do and how we shouldn't carry ourselves. And you said it a while back, this really what this does is how are we raising our boys and girls? That's the that's the problem because they're they seem to me when you read those reports right and wrong all this inhumane stuff they seem to me like they're living out what they were taught they were living out what their mom showed them what their dad showed them or didn't what they see on culture what culture yeah yeah and if i mean if 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 all of their if all of the female icons are saying be the sexual libertarian and 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 claim whatever you want i mean there there can't be um there can't be a lot of good from that. I listened to something that stood out to me today. I listened to, um, it, was, it was like a part one of who Jesus was, um, Ravi Zacharias. And um, I thought it was interesting concerning this topic. He said, no, Jesus Christ is exclusive. And I'm paraphrasing. Jesus Christ is exclusive because the truth is exclusive. And those who live by the truth are included in him. 
those who do not live by the truth, they are, are, Jesus Christ is very exclusive. If you, do, if you are preventing the justice in this culture where 18-month-old babies are raped in Asia, and I mean, you are, and if you, if you, if you tolerate that, you are excluded from this forgiveness. So that, that makes you think of something that, again, also ties it back to Oprah that I want to ask you about. Um, and this is kind of this exclusion. It's, it's, it's a great selling point for churches, especially in the contemporary, you know, trying to get away from where our parents or their parents, whatever, were raised in, in more legalistic environments or just, you know, dry churches. Um, it's a much, it's much more marketable to market, um, the grace, the the side of God, grace and, and forgiveness. But there's this other side of God, as I stated, he, he, yes, he forgives, but he judges first. And you mentioned it in the Oprah topic, our first episode, that our nation, that our culture, our world we live in has lost its fear of God. What did you mean by that? Accountability. That once you lose a sense that we are ultimately accountable, that's what it means to walk in the fear of God. I mean, I, if I walked in the fear of my parents, it didn't mean I cowered, but I just knew I was accountable to them at some point. Mm-hmm. My dad only had to punish me once for playing with fire in the yard. <laughs> I was, well, it's all it took was one time, and then I walked in the fear of ever doing that again. And so walking in the fear of God does not mean we cower. doesn't mean there's not a love relationship, but it does mean... I'm accountable to him someday for how I live my life. It's all over the written revelation of Scripture. And at the end of the day, I don't think as a nation, as a culture, we believe we're accountable to anyone but ourself. That's the core of humanism. Mm -hmm. Is man is was created, I'm sorry, man evolved from nothing and is getting better and is accountable only to himself, whereas the gospel says that God created man perfect. He was tainted. He's getting worse without God, and he needs saved. He needs saved from that. He needs redeemed from that depravity. And um, We don't have that anymore. God, even in our culture, as spiritual as we are, is, is a God of my convenience, right? Mm. Not someone I'm accountable to for a standard. And uh, that dynamic, to me, mixture of he came full of grace and truth is so ennobling because it means that we do have a standard. And it means that when we fail that standard, we still have restoration. And both of those are ennobling, not one or the other. Both of those raise the human spirit. Both of those raise human behavior. And without that, human behavior doesn't raise. It goes down. You know, without that standard, it doesn't, oh my gosh, we're getting better without God. Show me one way we get better. Mm-hmm. One, one area where we get better without a, an accountability to a holy God, we, we don't. We get worse. Standards are lower. So now, you know, a girl's standards, if she doesn't have any, it's Hollywood. That's the standard of how you live. Isn't that sad? A guy's standard is, is Hollywood and... and um, I would just say that there is a way to live that is truth and grace. It has a toughness and a tenderness to it that strengthen and sensitize the human spirit. 
Well, I threw out a lot of um, Bible-beating scripture, but I think the ones that, that stick with you as is the, the one that comes to mind hearing you say that. Confess your sins to each other. Be honest. Pray for each other. Pray for the, the righteousness this that as you've talked about that decayusine that the righteousness of being set right, mm-hmm. having justice in your life the way you were meant to be, because that person, as James says, is powerful and effective. And lastly, Proverbs twenty four twenty six: an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. When you see fit to be honest and to seek justice, what is right, do it. I think there's a really good payoff. Um, maybe not. Tem- temporarily, immediately, but uh, eternally and in the long game. This weekend, Chuck, they'll be back at pregame weekend before the NFL Super Bowl, and it's a huge deal. We have a lot of fun. It's a great It's not going to be as heavy weekend. as this. Not, not going to be as heavy Michigan as this State. by any means. Yeah. This is a heavy one today, um, but this weekend will be a lot of fun and, and uh, bring a friend for Chucked at pregame weekend. Until next time.